Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we explain what you've forgotten about the World Handicap System and discuss golf's richest stars getting richer. Hi guys, this is Ben Wiesberger and welcome to the Golf Monthly Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. Trusted by six winners worldwide this week, including Titleist brand ambassadors Garrick Higo and Cameron Smith and golf ball loyalists Brooke Henderson and Brandon Stone. For more information on the number one ball in golf, head to titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Yeah, doing very well. You all right? Yeah, good. Uh, you were just saying to me that you're a little bit sunburnt. <laughs> yeah, neck is peeling, unfortunately, after not applying any sun cream when it was about 15 degrees uh, <laughs> in April. So, yeah, looking nice and brown now, I'd say. It's, it's been a few days, but um, yeah, the weather's been amazing, hasn't it? It's good to yeah. see you the other day as well. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, we, we managed to see each other for the first time in about a year, it uh, feels like, anyway. Uh, at Essendon Golf Club last Thursday, we did a massive gear test. Golf Monthly team were there, and we tested something like 200 products, which we'll all be doing reviews on and, and putting on the website in the near future. Everything from balls to belts to clubs to caps. I can't think of any other alliteration. So, uh, yeah, it was a good day, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. A really nice facility they got there, Essendon Country Club. Two courses. We played the new course, which was fantastic, I thought. Just really good variety, lots of water, some some fun holes. I think my favourite hole was probably the eighth hole, that downhill par three that had the lake on the left. Uh, and short as well, where you nearly actually killed a bird, which uh, is on our Instagram page, love, if anybody wants to see. I love the way that didn't, keep, didn't take very long for you to mention that, did it? <laughs> probably my worst shot of the day and it was dry i did i was very close to hitting a coot uh i was very worried about it for about it just missed it i think so um uh thankfully i didn't yeah didn't kill any wildlife i'm an, I'm an rspb member as well so that would have been bad but um no it was a really good day uh really good we played golf and we were pretty poor weren't we as a group yeah nothing special to be honest we had matt one of our freelancers who was Bit of a birdie eagle machine on the par fives on the back nine, wasn't he? But he didn't start very well, did he? <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, listeners, for those who don't know, we've um, we always like to assemble around the tee at a nice social distance. So we had probably three groups watching, and um, Matt playing his first ever golf monthly day was clearly very, very nervous. And he's a very good player, and he hit a, <laughs> a very harsh rope hook left, and, and never found his ball, which was. Yeah, quite funny, and um, I was texting him about it, and I, I'll be reminding him of it uh, probably at least once every two weeks, I'd say, go forward. <laughs> yeah, it was comedy. He, he didn't really start playing golf until about the, the back nine, did he? And as you say, when he played in the back nine, he was, he was brilliant. He had a great eagle. Yeah, he had very strong finish, so uh, which made our, our team score slightly more respectable. And we also played with Kit Alexander as well, didn't we? It was great to meet Kit for the first time. Yeah, really good to meet him. Very, very knowledgeable. It's actually um, incredible how much stuff he knows. And um, you guys will know him from the Euro Pro Tour coverage and, and Sky Sports and his uh, Filthy Lip Out podcast. And 
his work with Golf Monthly now and having heard him on various podcasts and, and seen him on TV a few times, you don't realise that he's actually a very good golfer. And um, yeah, he hits a really nice solid fade off the tee pretty much every time. Hits it a long way. I think he plays off seven, wasn't it? And um, he was a, a useful team member for us. I think he was probably the most solid of the players. No offence to yourself, Elliot, but you you had a few issues, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was definitely the most solid. Um, albeit the the group who won had a, a complete bandit in their team who would be getting a massive handicap cut. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, no names mentioned, of course. No, it's really good. And and then from Thursday, that was my first round of golf since. Uh, golf reopened I had been to the range once and I thought you know I played okay uh, on Thursday drove it okay short game was pretty rubbish but um, on Saturday I played again my brother my brother's getting married next week so he said oh let's go and play around the golf uh, on Saturday at his golf club at Romford and I played about as well as I've ever played pretty much which doesn't take a huge amount for someone who plays off 18 I started par birdie, which is so I was under par through two holes, which is which is unheard of, completely unheard of. Um, and yeah, I played right. I got played, got thirty six points on the nose, which I was really happy with. So um, it was very sunny. It was a lovely day out and about, and um, yeah, it was really good. Did you play any golf at the weekend? That's incredible. <laughs> I can't <laughs> imagine you being under par. Um, <laughs> yeah. I played on Friday for my mate's birthday. We actually played in the St. George's Day competition. I shot seven over, which was quite a surprise, actually. I thought it was worse than that. But we did have two beers before and two beers during as well, because it was my mate's birthday. So we were sort of uh, just having a bit of a fun game, even though it was a competition. Uh, and the highlight would probably be the 11th hole, where I thought I had a hole in one. And all of my playing partners thought I had a hole in one. And then we got up there and it was about 20 foot long. So, um, ah. But needless to say, I was a little bit relieved because I didn't quite fancy buying 150 people uh, beers. So, yeah. that, is, that is so you, Elliot. That is so you. I mean, uh, no, you know, I'd rather get a two than have to buy some beers. But um, no, no, it's, I, I also had quite a few beers on Saturday as well. So uh, maybe that was, maybe that's what I'm going to have to do every, every time I play golf now. So uh, <laughs> Fun games. Well, well, it's good to uh, be able to talk about golf and uh, enjoying uh, playing it again. It was it was fantastic. So, um, and there were some really uh, good wins at the weekend and some good betting wins as well, which we'll come on to. First up on the PGA Tour, Mark Leishman and Cameron Smith defeated Louis Hazen and Charles Schwartz on the first extra hole to win the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. The Australians won with a par after the teams tied at twenty under par. They look likely to be Australia's Olympic team after Adam Scott withdrew from the Games last week. Now, does golf need more doubles events? Because uh, I know you enjoyed it, Elliot, and I really enjoyed it as well for many reasons. But I thought it was very, very entertaining. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Uh, I don't really like four ball, to be honest, because that's where you see them shoot sort of crazy numbers, whereas foursomes is, is really where, like, you're, you're, you're working for your partner. You could see... that. All four guys were as nervous as they probably would be in a major championship coming down those last six because they knew if they messed up, they also messed up their partner's chance of winning. So, yeah, I love that. It felt really tense. And uh, on that last hole as well, we saw a few dodgy drives, most notably from Louis Ousazen, who carved it out into the lake. Yeah, we saw some missed short putts on 17 as well. So 
uh, yeah, it was brilliant. It just turned into match play as well, didn't it? And um, yeah, foursomes is probably my favourite format in golf to watch, at least anyway. I think <laughs> I find it really difficult when I actually play it. And um, yeah, we all love match play when it's a close game. So Zurich are going to be very, very happy with that because it was a, a really, really good Sunday evening. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really entertaining. I had a lot of well, I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a big win on the line. Um, Leishman and Cameron Smith was were my tips, and it was a part of a double for the with alongside the European Tour win as well. So it's a really big uh, bet, especially for me. So I was very nervous and very entertained at the same time. So um, it was a um, really exciting to watch um and you just you're right there just seemed to be more reaction through not just through from the groups that were those two groups who were in the final pairing but um throughout the whole field there was there was just better interaction between the pairs we saw a bit more of emotion from the players a bit more um you know wearing their heart on their sleeve for things i thought i just thought it was very very entertaining and the foursomes on the final day i think is an inspired idea because it is really tough. Um, it's quite quick, the pace of play as well, which was nice. We actually saw Oosthuizen um, standing up by the green, didn't we, for on a par three. And he played his second shot before the other guys had even got to the green. So that was that was obviously helping with the pace of play as well. But um, I definitely think that they could, they could actually use a few more of these kind of events, couldn't they? Yeah. Uh, the main thing why this one was good was because it was Leishman and Smith against Uthazen and Schwarzel. It was close. It was match play. Um, not officially match play, but it basically was match play. Whereas in the past we've had, uh, like when Cameron Smith won with Jonas Blixt, it was them up against Kevin Kisner and Scott Brown and like, you know, casual golf fans or, or even casual sports fans don't really know who they are. Mm-hmm. So for these to be really good, I think we need McElroy. We need... Thomas, DJ, we need all the big names. And I guess you get that at the Ryder Cup, don't you? And that's why the Ryder Cup is just the best thing in, in golf and the best thing in sport for me. Yeah, I thought it was, it was really entertaining. It was, it was excellent. Um, and I'm, I'm a quite big Louis Hazen fan, to be honest with you, even though I wasn't cheering him on last, last night. And I did feel a bit gutted for him, even though I was very much cheering the other pair, because he still hasn't won amazingly on american soil uh he's finished second now in a lot of events um i just don't understand why he can't quite get over the line can you no not really um yeah that's a crazy stat when you think about it uh obviously he's officially got a pga tour win with a major at st andrews in 2010 but um yeah a global player he's won all over the place hasn't he but just not over in the states and um Maybe the best player not to win in the States. Uh, I don't know who that would be, to be honest. It's something we'd have to look into. I know Tommy Fleetwood still hasn't. Um, but yeah, that's quite surprising. Yeah, you think he's, I think he's had 12 wins, 20 second places with a quick look at the world rankings site. And you know, he's finished second at the Masters. He's finished second at an Open. He's finished second at the US Open, second at the match play, second at the Deutsche Blank. Second at the PGA Championship, it's just ridiculous. Second at the players, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing, isn't he? he just hasn't quite got over the line. And I was his big, big chance. Obviously, was at the Masters in 2012 when Bubba won, when Bubba carted it into the trees, of course, on 10, and Ustazen uh, kind of followed him in there, and Bubba, Bubba played that miraculous snap hook recovery shot. So, um, you know, he's 
he he will be disappointed that he hasn't won again, and he he, he missed a great opportunity again last night with his great mate Charles Schwartzel. But um, it was good to see both of them playing well, wasn't it? Yeah, on that actually, I, I didn't really know they were great mates. To be honest, you just think, oh, they're South Africans, so they must be mates. But yeah, apparently they've obviously like known each other and played with each other since like the age of twelve and fourteen or something. And they were saying on the broadcast as well about uh, Augusta in 2012 when Schwartzel would have handed him the, the green jacket, which would have been amazing and something that I didn't really pick up on at the time. Yeah, and um, and similarly, I think Leishman and Smith, they seem to really get on uh, with each other. They were taking the mickey before the event, weren't they? Wearing wigs to <laughs> team mullet, I think they were calling themselves. Leishman put on a, a mullet week because of Cameron Smith's mad hairstyle at the moment. And uh, they seem to be just enjoying it and, and very relaxed. And I thought they were very impressive. I mean, Cameron Smith's got an incredible short game at the moment. And Leishman's also, his putting is, is outstanding, isn't it? Yeah, Leishman's had a bit of a quiet season, actually. So this is really good. I know Jeremy Chapman, our tipster, picked up on it that he actually had quite a good Masters, which sort of came out of nowhere. So that was, um, yeah, really good to see him back and, and in the winner's circle again. And and Cameron Smith, I just think he's so good. Like, he doesn't hit the ball, you know, DJ or, or Cameron Chamberlain's, but he's just gritty. He's a great competitor, and he seems to win an awful lot as well. So, um, yeah, p- potentially a major winner for Australia there in the future. Oh, definitely. I, I think he's got such a good all-round game. I think they, they faced quite a lot of issues coming down the back nine there, didn't they? They were, they were a bit unlucky with one of the drives um, ending up right next to a tree, which is kind of in the middle of a fairway. And they just took that all in their stride, didn't they? They they were very unfortunate with that bounce on the the, the drivable par four as well. It looked like, oh, this is, they were going to give a... They were going to lose the lead and, and, and maybe that would be the tournament. And then Leishman ended up chipping in after after having to take a drop. So I thought they were very impressive. They just kept it together uh, a little bit more than the South Africans did. Um, Charles Schwartz didn't seem to be able to hold anything either. Every time it was um, down to him, I thought, I don't really fancy him to, to hold this. And he didn't usually. So um, uh, I thought it was very impressive. And it was a big win because of Jeremy Chapman who's been a fantastic addition to the Golf Monthly contributing team, mainly because he's now got me three winners out of three events. Um, he picked not only Leishman and Smith to win the Zurich, but he also picked South Africa's Garrick Higo to win his second European Tour title in Gran Canaria. The 21-year-old finished at 25 under and three clear of Max Kiefer in second. He goes now up to 65th in the world. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't see much of this event. Did you, Elliot? No, I saw the the closing stages uh, and I saw Garrick Higo have 130 yards or something into the par five last. So, uh, yeah, 25 under. Clearly a... um, Quite an easy golf course for the world's best players in relatively calm weather. But uh, yeah, he went really low. I remember seeing him for the first time at uh, the Cypress Showdown or something last year. I think he was like top five there. He did really good. And, and I didn't realise he was only 21. Like I heard he was young, but that's really impressive. He, so he won the Portugal Open last year as well, which is sort of a, a second tier event. This will be his biggest win yet on the European Tour. And uh, yeah, just looks like another one of those South Africans on the production line that's going to go and follow, you know, who stays in the shorts, or like we said before. Yeah, I, th- I thought very, very impressive um, performance by him. 
I didn't, you know, I I had a very busy weekend, bit of golf, few beers, and I wasn't really with it on Sunday until you text on our group chat saying, "Oh, Chapman's picked another winner. It's Garrick Higo." And I was like, "Hang on a minute, I must have, <laughs> I must have bet on him." And I looked, and I had bet on him, and then my Paddy Power account, I had a ten pound free bet, and I was like, "Oh, I'll put that on a, I'll do that as a double." And for some reason, I picked Higo. And Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman. So I had a big payday. It's about it's about four hundred to one. I think the odds just just uh, short of that. So yeah, that was very very nice to see. Which was which obviously then suddenly as soon as he go won and I, I knew Smith and uh, Leishman were one off the lead going into final round. I got suddenly got very excited. So that was a very exciting Sunday. And maybe some of you out there also had the double um, or at least had the winners as well because I know a lot of people were looking at Jeremy Chapman's uh, articles last week after he had that massive win of the week before tipping Stuart Sink at something like 225 to 1. So if you want to check out Jeremy Chapman's tips for this week why not he's in good form then of course go to the Golf Monthly website golfmonthly.com or check us out on social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook, or, of course, just Google it. Google Golf Betting Tips, Jeremy Chapman, Golf Betting Tips, Golf Monthly, anything like that, and you'll find our posts uh, for this weekend. Hopefully, he can keep up his great form and pick us some more winners. Now, Elliot, you didn't learn from last week's mistake, did you? You didn't, you didn't go for Chapman's tips this week, did you? No, and, uh, yeah, gutted. I, I mean, I, I would never put a double on like you there, so that is... Uh... Yeah, just fantastic. I applaud you for that. Very, very jealous, of course. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to get on them this week because he can't go three in a row, surely. I mean, last week I thought he can't back up that. But, yeah, it'd be very, very impressive if he keeps his form up. Well, I think I think Jeremy wasn't overly... Uh... He wasn't overly confident because he said, "Oh, it's a bit tricky. You've got the pairs tournament. You never, you know, you're relying on two people, obviously, to play well. We're never really sure if that's going to happen. And also, um, the Grand Canary is on a on a, a course which they haven't played before, so it's it's quite tricky. But he's obviously done his research very well again and 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 picked the winners, which is which is fantastic, obviously. Um, and it's funny you say about those doubles. The last time I last time this is a few years ago now, where uh. There was a. I had a big chance for a double. Leishman was leading, and I needed Leishman to come in to win a big double. And he lost to, to Aaron Wise. Um, I can't remember what the event was. It's a few years ago now. So I've always been like, oh, I, Leishman, you let me down. But now he he got me out of jail this week. So um, well done to him, and, and thank you. Well done to, to, to Jeremy Chapman. Uh, you can you can write us write for us again. Absolutely. So there was other uh, another event to talk about, which was on the LPGA Tour. Brooke Henderson won her 10th LPGA Tour title by one stroke from Jessica Calder at the LA Open. Um, and the women's tour has been really good this year, hasn't it? Yeah, produced some fantastic winners. And uh, this was another one. Brooke Henderson, is she, I think she's only 24, won 10 times. She's won a major. Um, just, yeah, another phenomenal talent. And... Um, yeah, just a really clutch win as well. I think she chipped in late on, um, fended off at a really strong field. Jin Yonko, the world number one, was up there. Uh, we know how good Jessica Calder is as well. So, um, yeah, loving the LPJ Tour at the moment. This was a Saturday night finish as well, so um, didn't clash with with any, any other events, which is what we've spoken about a few times. So, uh, yeah, really good. And 
I believe it's the Women's World Championship in Singapore coming up this week. I don't know if that's been cancelled or it's actually going ahead, but if it is going ahead, that is really exciting because that's a, a brilliant event. Yeah, it has been really, really good. And we'll probably touch on the Women's Tour again a little bit later when we talk about the PJ Tour Player Impact Programme, because I'm sure there's going to be some crossover that we need to chat about. But before we go on to that, it's now that time of the show to talk about our sponsor, Titleist, with the Pro V1 Golf Ball claiming six worldwide wins this past week. First up, brand ambassador Garrick Higo relied on a full bag of Titleist equipment, including the new TSI 3 driver and Pro V1X Golf Ball to capture his second European Tour title at the Gran Canaria Le Pesan Open. Higo was joined in the winner's circle by fellow brand ambassador Cameron Smith, who, much like the young South African, had a new Pro V1X and TSI 3 driver in play en route to victory at the Zurich Classic. In fact, Smith was one of the first players to put both products in play when they arrived last year. When asked about the golf ball, Smith said, I feel as though I can control my shots, especially those difficult, soft shots, just so much better with the new cover on there. And when combined with the new driver, they matched up perfectly together. Higo and Smith were not alone either, as the number on branding golf was trusted by more players in the golf ball, driver, iron and wedge categories at both events on the PGA and European tours this week. To find out more about Titleist's fantastic product lineup in 2021, head to titleist.co.uk. So, as mentioned earlier, me and Elliot played golf together last Thursday, and I also played on Saturday. And if I'm honest with you, it's probably the first time that I've ever played golf with the new World Handicap system. Elliot, are you, uh, do you know, understand everything that's going on with it now? Are you an expert with it? Uh, yeah, I do. After listening to this audio that we're about to play, um, I can see why people find it a little bit confusing. I'll be honest with you, I'm not the biggest fan of it so far. My handicap got slashed by half. And yeah, that old Congo system we had here in the UK and Ireland, like, you know, I grew up with it. I knew it really well. So yeah, it's going to take a while to get used to this one, I think. Yeah, you're right. There's definitely a few things. And I think there's still a slight misunderstanding about things and i think there's some people just don't even know it's there is actually around uh, especially those people who don't play that often uh, with everything that's been going on in the world it has kind of slipped many people past so golf monthly's neil tapping of fergus bissett explain in this bit of audio six things that you might have forgotten about the new world handicap system so before we get into the six things that people need to remember about it can you just give us a one paragraph on, on what it is and why it's coming? Uh, the idea is basically to make handicaps truly portable, to make for a fairer and more equitable system of accurately calculating a golfer's current playing ability. The, the big difference is that we're moving from a system that used an aggregate to calculate your handicap to one that now uses an average of your scoring to calculate your handicap. So it should be then a little bit more appropriate for how you're currently playing i think that is exactly the the, the objective um, i think handicaps will be more fluid there's definitely more opportunity for for handicaps to, to, to move up and down in a shorter space of time under the whs than under the previous system so that should be a good thing and, and, and hopefully it means it makes people enjoy the game more if they feel that they've got a handicap that's representative representative of how they're actually playing at that time perfect okay so let's go let's start with point number one 
okay. on the six things that people may have forgotten about. Right, yeah. um, I think, the, and this is the most important thing for people to know, is handicap in, index, isn't it? Um, what, what is it um, and how is it calculated? Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. This is the key number in the World Handicap System. It, it's calculated from an average of the best eight of your last 20 returned scores. Um, when a new score is submitted, handicap index is automatically recalculated and updated at the end of that day, and it'll be ready for use uh, the next day, the new handicap index that you have. Um, for those of us who have played a lot of golf, we'll have 20 scores in there, and it's, it's quite easy to calculate. For those who are new to golf or are looking to get a first handicap, um, they'll need to put scorecards in amounting to 54 holes. And they, they can be 18 hole rounds or nine hole rounds. An initial, initial handicap index will be provided then. Uh, and then when they've got 20 scores, a fully developed handicap index will come into effect for them. So you, you wrote a piece for, for Golf Monthly about the kind of initial reactions to mm -hmm. what the, yep. the world handicapping system. Uh, were people finding that, let's say you played off a handicap of 12 pre, under the previous system, were they, were they on the whole finding themselves going, their handicap index was slightly above that or below that. What was the kind of feedback that you were receiving from people? Well, I mean, obviously, one of the reasons that we're doing this is because people didn't have an awful lot of time after the November the 2nd implementation to, to see the effects. But, but some people had had a chance to get out there and those lucky enough to live in north of the border have had a bit more time when the weather is permitted. Um, we did a, a, a survey on the forum. Um, and it was quite interesting. We, we got 49% of the respondents said that their initial handicap index had come down when it was implemented. Only 20% said it had gone up. Um, so it, it seems that the majority of, uh, of our readers anyway have seen a wee reduction uh, in handicap. And, and perhaps talking about the best eight of 20, it does seem that the lower handicappers who do perform a bit more consistently have come down a little more than higher handicappers who are a bit more erratic and are struggling to perhaps have eight good scores in their 20 that, 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 that keep them at, at their current level or, or actually bring them down. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over the first full playing season, really. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what people think and what people's experiences are. So if you do have any comments, please do leave them below. Uh, there, there are a couple of mechanisms, the soft cap and the hard cap, aren't they? Just to make sure the system is as fair as possible. Can you just... Give us a quick one line on those as well. Though. Yeah, no, those, they're yeah, important, aren't they? It's, it's, that's one of the concerns that people have had is that it's going to be crazy wild swings of handicap. Someone's going to be playing off five one week and 15 the next week. That's not going to happen. As you say, there's a soft cap and a hard cap uh, to prevent those wild variations, particular upward variations in particular. Um, it's not going to affect if you have great, great playing, then you're going to come down accordingly. But um, the soft cap basically... Um, is based on a player's lowest handicap index in a one-year period. And if their handicap goes three shots above that low index, any further rises are reduced by 50%. Right. That's cap. And the hard cap is if a player's handicap moves above that low index in the 12-month period by five shots, that's it. No no further rises in that, in, in, in that year. Right. So that prevent people from going, you know, going really sort of get having massive swings. On to our second point, which is course handicap. Right. What is the course handicap and why is it important for people to know what it is? Well, this is pretty much the, the, the number of shots that you're actually going to be receiving. Handicap index is important as that baseline number as we talked about. But the course handicap is when you visit a course, 
you will use your handicap index and the difficulty of the course to give you a course handicap um, that you will play off for that day. And it may vary actually even between the, the T's uh, on, a, okay. on a particular course, so you have to take that into account. If you know what your handicap index is, every club now has a slope rating sheet and a course handi handicap um, chart that you can quite easily see what you're going to be playing off. Um, and and all the calculations when you enter scores are done by the computer and you really don't need to, to concern yourself too much unless you're particularly interested in all the mathematical equations that go on behind the scenes. Um, okay, Fergal, well, that brings us neatly on to the next part, which is about slope rating, um, which I think is really important for people to know. Can you just, what, I mean, what, what is the slope rating and um, what do people need to know about it? Well, slope rating is effectively uh, the difficulty of a golf course off a particular set of tees. Um, it's a calculation that that, is, that uses a couple of numbers, and we've done pieces on the Golf Monthly website that, we, that if you want to find out more, you can go into the nitty-gritty of it. But fundamentally, yes, the difficulty of a golf course, with 113 being the average for an averagely difficult golf course, anything above 113 up to a maximum of 155 for more difficult golf courses, and anything below 113 to a minimum of 55 for easier golf courses. Yeah, so people should expect to get fewer shots on courses that are slightly below below the 113, more yeah. shots on golf courses that are slightly above the 113. I think that's the, the, the simplest way of, of doing it because it, it, it can get quite um, into the nitty gritty, can't you? Qu question for you then, Fergus, is that, and it brings me on to the next point, which is about general play. So I, I always thought that with the world handicapping system, the idea was that people put more of their scorecards in so that it was a fairer reflection of how they're playing at any given moment. Is that the case? That is a really good question. Um, and it was a, a key objective um, behind the implementation of the, the WHS was to, to get people to put more scores in. No question about that. Um, and for it to be as effective of, uh, as possible, it's important that, that, that we do put in as many scores as possible for handicap calculation, not just competitions, general play, as you mentioned there as well. Um, and that way, we will get a handicap index, which is as representative, representative as possible of how we're playing at any given moment. Um, but you don't have to. In this country, we have decided that a general play score can be submitted for a social game of golf, but you have to pre-register before the round for it to count. Um, if you haven't pre-registered, it won't count. It's not a, general, a counting general play score. So if you want to go out and just have a, a match with your with your pals or you just really fancy practicing, then, then that's absolutely fine. But I think you should be encouraged to look at the option for putting general play scores in as and when it is possible to do so, just because it will give you a more accurate handicap. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about this that could really help golfers is that you become more used to just playing under the pressure of putting a score together. I think sometimes for people like me, I've certainly fallen foul of this over the years. I, I play 90 percent of my golf is friendly golf just with friends, yeah. never really playing under a huge amount of pressure. And then I play under pressure and, and it's panic stations when I'm faced with a really tight tee shot or there's water in front of the green and you start second guessing everything you're doing, whereas you can get used to that if you're just put under that little bit more pressure on a, you know, on a far more regular basis. So number five on our list, what happens if we go out to play yeah. and it, the weather is just horrific? It's blowing 40 mile an hour winds, chucking it down with rain. Is there any kind of um, uh, allowance made for, in that scenario? 
it would have been in the old system. CSS comes into effect there, and it basically will 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 uh, reflect the conditions of the day. And particularly in this country where we have weather like that, the RNA in particular very keen that the system has a, a, a caveat, a method to um, to determine what the what the conditions have been, and they have uh, one called playing conditions calculation, and it basically looks it, it, it works in effect like CSS. It looks at how all players who have entered a score on that course of each particular set of tees has performed that day against their expected performance, um, and so if they've all if everyone has struggled, then the system takes that into account. Likewise, if it's been a perfect day and the scoring's been good, yeah, you'll find that the the the, the equivalent CSS would come down. Okay, so the final one then is um, actually a, a really good point I thought that you made in the piece that you wrote about it, which was just that not to worry too much, you don't need a calculator for any of this stuff. Mm. It's actually, it, it's not down to you to know all of the ins and outs of how the whole system works, is it? No, that's right. I mean, the one thing that, that you, you will be doing is if, if you go to play a course, you know what your handicap index is. You, you check on the board at uh, the course you're playing at what what, what the um, what your course handicap will be. But that's pretty much it. And even then, if you enter probably on your device or the, 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 when we've got the apps all working, um, you enter that you're playing on a particular course of a particular set of tees, and the system will work out your handicap for you anyway because it knows what the course rating is and it knows... Uh, what the slope rating is, and it knows what your handicap index is. So effectively, if you don't, if you want to be blissfully ignorant <laughs> and just know and just have a number beside your name, that's fine. If you want to get into the details of it, as we've mentioned before, we've we, we've written pieces, but yeah, fundamentally, you don't need to do anything. You just need to turn up, enter your scores, and submit. Have them. You have to have a playing partner to confirm the scores, as per you know the system before. You can't just go out and but scores in willy-nilly and say, right, I've just shot 62, submit. You've got to have someone to, to countersign it for you. But the system will calculate it and you'll you'll have a adjusted playing handicap ready for the next day. Yes, it's a really important point, this, because it can seem when people listen to this video like it's super complicated. And in one level, I guess it is quite complicated because yeah. it has to be because golf is played on this giant natural landscape and every golf course is different. And every set of tees you play a golf course from is different. So you have to have a way of making it fair for everybody to compete against each other. I think this system does it. And it can seem complicated, but actually you don't need to worry too much about the complications. You just need to know what's your handicap index, what's the course, um, what's the course handicap, um, and then go from there, really. This is very new. Certainly, well, most of us have only had one month of playing under it before winter and COVID regulations took us off the course. So... We'll give it this season and see see what the effects are. But I think people will come to understand the basics of the system really quite quickly because, it, yeah, fundamentally, it is quite straightforward. So there you go. That was Neil Tappen and Fergus Bissett explaining uh, some things that you may have forgotten about the new World Handicap System. Any of them, what do you think is the main one that people will have just forgotten or not realised? Um, probably the, the playing, what's it called, the... I don't know what it's called. It's a bit confusing. The playing conditions calculator, I think. So, yeah, before we would have a standard scratch score and then a competition scratch score. Uh, but now the day gets rated basically on what the scores are. So if it's a really windy day, like they were saying there, uh, then the computer and the algorithm and stuff will take that into account. 
And I think, I don't think they said that, but I think off the top of my head, it needs a minimum of eight scores is what I read before. So uh, if you're the only one going around, then there probably won't be a playing conditions calculation. But if it's like a big competition or something, that's what it'll be. That there, there won't be a, a standard scratch score anymore. And just another one as well, buffer zones as well. People don't realise that the buffer zone's gone. So before they'd be like, oh, I've got, you know, bogey, bogey, bogey for buffer. Um, and that's really what kept people into their round. Like that's gone as well now. So, uh, yeah, just, just some big changes. But at the end of the day, like what the guy said there, you don't really need to know too much because it will do it for you in, in the um, computer. But if you want to know all about it, then... Uh, well, you, you do know all about it now because of that fantastic interview there. Yeah, I think that, that's the thing. It, it is very confusing, but the, the old system had its confusions as well, doesn't it? Um, I think people are just, um, yeah, you've got to trust the system. I'm sure people will get used to it sooner rather than later. Then they just hand the cards in and then what will be will be. I know people do like to know what's going on though. So, um Hopefully that's helped you guys out if you had any uh, thoughts about the World Handicap System or confusion about it. Uh, also, Tom, this year there's going to be a new handicap scheme for people who aren't members of clubs. Uh, so I wonder if that's going to be something that will interest you. Absolutely. At the moment, not not attached to a club. Um, open to offers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, actually, I think this is, this is something I think is the biggest issue it's one of the biggest issues with golf and i think it's well overdue that you don't have to be a member to enjoy you know the sport and to be treated the same as a member you know members have all these fantastic uh, reasons to become golf club members playing at your home course entering competitions social aspect blah 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 blah, blah. but i don't think that people who can't afford that or don't have the time to um be a golf club member at this moment in their life should be restricted from getting handicapped to be honest with you so um i think it's a it's a great thing this and i think it, sh- it could really help the sport out i think it might get more people involved and more people wanting to play so uh i really really hope that that flies when it um it, it comes into play uh this year yeah i think it's coming in at the end of june and uh lapsed golfers or, or people who perhaps uh, can't really justify the time will really enjoy that especially serious golfers who can't justify the time if they want to play in a nice open competition or something um this is going to be the scheme for them and i think it's going to be very popular yeah absolutely i think it's gonna be great uh, and also it should get rid of any you know that that question about bandits at you know society days and things like that or people going oh i haven't played in a long time hopefully this might start clearing that up and uh, people won't get a question about their, their their handicaps, which they shouldn't do. So, yeah, let's hope that goes well. Moving on, PJ Tour Player Impact Program. What on earth is this? $40 million in bonuses to be given to 10 players with $8 million. Let's just say, how, just say that again. $8 million first prize for what really is a popularity contest. Uh, this is a disgrace, isn't it? <laughs> uh, there's certainly a few ways to look at it. So firstly, let's list what the uh, the, the deciding factors will be. Um, uh, there might be quite a bit of um, reading here going on, so bear with me. But there, it's going to break up to about five things. I think this was originally a Golf Week report, and 
they will be the player's popularity in Google search, the player's Nielsen brand exposure rating, which places a value on the exposure a player delivers to sponsors through the minutes they are featured on broadcasts. So again, nothing to do with performance. The player's Q rating, which measures the familiarity and appeal of a player's brand. Again, nothing to do with performance. Um, the player's MVP index rating calibrates the value of the engagement a player drives across social and digital channels. And then finally, Meltwater Mentions, which is the frequency with which a player generates coverage across a range of platforms. So, uh, yeah, none of this is to do with performance. It's all about brands, um, social media reach, Google search, all that uh, rubbish, I guess you would say. Uh, and it, this is uh, where sport's going, I guess, in the um, 21st century ahead. I'll tell you what, Elliot, me and you, we could get picked up by a player here because I reckon I could help any any of those players' popularity in Google search easy. Um, if it, I, I'll maybe just put my number out if anybody wants some help with that. But I just I cannot believe that it's come to this. And I know that there's reasons behind it. I think... Um, the Premier Golf League with all the money that was being spoken about in that. I think I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the things which is put in to kind of like counteract that. But this, he just, I just rolling my eyes at it. <laughs> it's just, I think it's embarrassing. And look, it's going to make maybe players be a bit more open, say a few more things. And, you know, they can't blank interviews. You know, they need, they're going to need to be, to speak their minds a bit. You know, but players already do that a bit, and it's forty million dollars. It's an incredible amount of money, and we've got the LPGA, we've got the, U, the Ladies European Tour. Now that's that's more or less a whole season's worth of money. It's probably more than that for for a ladies tour, and it's going on on nothing. It's going to to ten players who already have will already have so much money they don't need any more money. Um, I just, I don't understand where the positivity can come from this. No, um, of course, players outside the top 10 are not going to be happy with this. The original Golf Week report, I expect an anonymous multiple PGA Tour winner who, um, yeah, was clearly unhappy about it. And of course you would be. If you're a sort of journeyman player, maybe earning a million or two million a year, you're going to be pretty disgusted with someone being handed $8 million for for what, for a bit of Google search and publicity. But if you're Rory McIlroy, you go into the tour and think, we need to be paid more. If you're Bryson DeChambeau, I'm the reason why people are tuning in all, all these weeks. I'm the reason why you're getting millions of views on social media. So, um, yeah, it's the way it's going, isn't it? And it's clearly been done to, to put the Premier Golf League off because if you are a, a McIlroy or a DeChambeau or a Brooks Kepka who... Um, already love the PGA Tour, why on earth would you leave it for a, another golf league when you're going to be getting millions more despite how well you play? So, um, yeah, I'm completely with you. I think it's it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's um, sad for all the other tours and, and the women's game especially. But, you know, um, it seems like, especially with the, the Super League football that was proposed, it just seems this is the way sport's going, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I'm just pretty angry with it. It just it's just not it's just not needed. They could use that money such better ways. Um, and I say it's going to be the same. Pl- we know who's going to who's going to get it already. 
Now, Bryson's going to be right up there because he's he's unique. And he, you know, he's already been pushing the needle more and more anyway. Rory does great interviews. Ricky Fowler, probably playing as bad as he's ever done. He'll be, he'll be up there somewhere because he's so popular at the moment. And still has. Tiger was playing. He, he'd be on there as well. It's, you know, these people do not need any more money. So why on earth they're doing this? I, I don't know. Uh, and I'm, I, d- I hope that some of this gets donated to charity or something because I think it's just so wrong. You know, I don't, I don't mind. You know, the FedEx Cup with all that money for the winner of a season's season-long event. You know, it's a lot of money, but at least they've actually had to do something and and play very well. You know, you could play really badly, but be entertaining, and you could you could actually get into the top ten here. Uh, I just, I just don't get it, to be honest with you. So yeah, and um, and that's the thing as well. Like, there's that saying, isn't there? It's it's hard to get up for your runs in the morning in silk pyjamas. And um, I don't know, maybe that's why McElroy hasn't won a major in six and a half years, because he is absolutely minted beyond belief. Like, I know he's, he's got an amazing work ethic. We've heard that plenty of times. But with all this money, all this just stuff being handed to you, are you really going to work harder? Are you really going to try and become a, a great at the game and you know go down in history? Yeah, you might, but some people certainly won't. If you're just being handed, I don't know, three million at the end of the year for for just turning up and doing your job, I don't really feel like you're going to work any harder. You're probably going to spend the money, have a bit of fun, uh, and just you know, gaze in in the amazing life that you've created for yourself. Yeah, it's 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 very odd, and I, I wonder what, especially the ladies' tours, what those players think when they see this. There's been some good news stories, especially around women's golf in recent times, about. You know, some really exciting tournaments, some really fantastic play as well. Um, some, you know, some really impressive performances. And then, you know, instead of an investment in on their tour, they see this. And, um, you know, this, the PJ Tour, they're there to look after themselves. They're there to look after their players. They want the best players. So it's it's there, but I think it's just so much money. It's, it's going to start turning people off, especially when they're getting handed things for, for you know, how many times they're on TV or something like that? It's yeah, it's 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 hard to take, isn't it? Yeah, when you talk about money as well, just to put it in perspective, um, I think in 2019 when McIlroy won PGA Tour Player of the Year, he won about eight million dollars in earnings. He then won 15 million dollars for the FedEx Cup, which is 23 million. TaylorMade paying 10 million a year. Nike paying 10 million a year. Suddenly he's up to 43 million dollars. Uh, and then he's got other sponsors as well, hasn't he? So, um, yeah, these guys just, they don't need more money, basically, do they? It puts my winning bet into uh, yeah. perspective, doesn't it? But, <laughs> but uh, well, we'll look, we'll look and see if there's uh, any fallout from this. It's yeah, it's something which I think we're, we're not overly happy with, but we'll wait and see, see if there's anything good that comes out of it. We'll wait and see. A couple of other things to mention before we go on to the tournaments for this week. Some images of Tiger Woods looking actually okay. Obviously, uh, his leg's still in a cast and he was on crutches. But he looked good, didn't he? Yeah. Interestingly, the first image he released of himself with his lovely-looking dog uh, actually came a couple of days after the PGA Tour announced their new player impact program. So I don't know if he was just <laughs> trying to get a few more social media likes. But, yeah, that put a real smile on my face. It was lovely to see him pictured after uh, the accident where police said he was fortunate to to survive so fantastic to see him and then yeah saw him a couple of days later 
from another image that wasn't taken by him or his team. Um, watching Charlie in, in the tournament, driving in buggy with his girlfriend, Erica. And uh, he didn't look too happy in that one, but he did look very healthy. Um, so, yeah, it's just great to see him getting out. Hopefully he's going to get stronger. Uh, I remember we spoke to Nima, the, the surgeon, a couple of months ago, and, and his rehab's going to take a year or two. So, um, yeah, it's just good to see him out and about and, and smiling again. Yeah, that's it. And I, you know, if he's being papped at a golf course where he's trying to watch his son, maybe maybe that's the reason why he's not looking wasn't looking so happy. But I think you know we we've, we've been waiting to see some pictures of him because we knew he'd obviously really badly injured his leg, um, but we didn't know anything else, and we didn't know how his back was going to be, anything like that. And from those images, there's only so much you can see. But what I'd say is, you know, he's on these crutches. He's not in a wheelchair. So he's able to move around himself. So maybe, hopefully, his injuries aren't as bad, maybe, as we first, first feared. Obviously, his leg was very badly injured. You know, double break, I think, was in there. So, um, yeah, let's let's hope for some positivity. And, you know, the next thing will be, oh, when's Tiger going to be hitting golf balls again or something like that, won't it? So uh, we'll have to have to wait and wait and see. Uh, on that, but uh, yeah, good to see him about. Um, and Tiger, you know, Tiger can see his uh, son playing golf. I'm really getting into uh, trying to get my son into playing golf. We took him to the driving range a couple of weeks ago. Have inquired about getting him some golf lessons as well, um, some cadet programs. So um, I'm sure there's lots of us out there who uh, who who could kind of understand why Tiger's desperate to go out and see how his son's playing golf. So great to see that he's out and about. Uh, and we've been talking about a lot of social media influencers for the first time I think on the podcast we're going to mention Kim Kardashian because she was spotted playing golf now I saw a couple of swings I think she's she's must be a big a beginner I think don't you <laughs> yeah definitely um yeah so she got some clubs sent to her by Callaway well her whole family did it a couple of months ago uh, and this was the first time we've ever seen her play golf. It was on her Instagram story. Uh, looked like she was getting a lesson. And she has 216 million Instagram followers. And a bit like you were talking with your son there, like I'm really getting my girlfriend into golf. And um, she actually made this aware to me. Like, I don't follow her. But yeah, I, I've seen some really, quite frankly, disgusting comments about Kim Kardashian playing golf today. Uh, but my girlfriend saw it. it perked her up seeing an influencer play golf uh, I really think that this is going to help get more women into golf to be honest because let's be honest a lot of people look up to Kim Kardashian or or just are, are aware of her and, and see her as a very like stylish influential figure so um, for her to be showing the game of golf to that many people I think it's absolutely fantastic yeah I think that's I think you're right the more people playing golf the better and especially these people with huge audiences, you know, 200, 210 million followers is an awful lot. It's more than the Golf Bumpy site, I believe. You've got a bit of work to do on that. Um, but yeah, you're right. Any, anyone who's out there who's got a bit of influence, if they're, into, if they're discovering the great game and enjoying it, then that's fantastic. And uh, if it inspires another generation to play, then then that's brilliant. And the more eyeballs on, on golf, the better. Uh, there's been a lot of chat about all different sports saying oh you know young audiences aren't getting into it and things like that and there's probably a million reasons for that not being on terrestrial television is my the one which um always i go i crow on about so uh, anything that 
you know, people look and see and think, oh, maybe I'll get involved. I think that's a good thing. So we'll wait and see. Maybe Kim Kardashian will be uh, teeing it up on the uh, LPGA tour in a couple of years' time. Who knows? But yes, like you as a, a massive cricket fan, could you imagine Kim Kardashian playing cricket? Like how cool that would be to, you know, show all the girls in, in around the world that cricket is a cool sport. So, um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully we we see that progress. It, indeed, indeed. Um, Kim Kardashian would probably get me out playing cricket at the moment because I haven't played for about a year. So uh, uh, we'll look forward to that. So looking forward to this week, we have two events to talk about. The Val Spa Championship on the PJ Tour. Uh, of course, being played in Tampa, Florida. Uh, it returned after being cancelled in 2020. But Paul Casey has won the event in each of his last two stagings and he's in the field along with Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, and other big names, including Phil Mickelson, Justin Rose, Patrick Reed, Till Hatton, and Elliot's favourite, Victor Hovland. Uh, usually a very decent tournament on a very good course, isn't it? Elliot? Yeah, yeah, really like this course. Innisbrook, isn't it? The Copperhead with the Snake Pit. Uh, I remember this was one of the most watched PJ Tour events of all time or something uh, in 2018 when Tiger Woods uh, looked like he was going to win his first title since 2013 um, but Paul Casey pipped him that day uh, Patrick Reed actually went close then as well so he'd be highly fancied this week because he's one of the stars um, yeah really good event actually which I think Tiger actually helped breathe some life into it and it's going strong and um, great to see it return yeah and Thomas is favourite eight to one Dustin Johnson ten to one uh, Paul Casey um, if he's going for the three-peat haven't used three peats in a few months. Twenty-two to one as well. But anyone that you've seen that catches your eye? Uh, I think Corey Connors at twenty-five to one looks very tempting. He's playing probably the best golf of his career right now. Um, loads of top tens, I believe. So yeah, I really like him. And sentimentally, I want to go for Justin Rose. Uh, fantastic Masters. Didn't strike it well at all, but. Um, maybe he's going to start scoring a little bit better and, and winning tournaments again. So that'd be amazing to see. I was going to say, Justin Rose, you've picked me to it. Uh, <laughs> I like the look of Sung Jae-im. Never a short price for someone who's such a good golfer as he is. He's around 30 to 1, which I think's a bit long, to be honest with you. And someone who I thought was playing pretty well last night was Bubba Watson who uh, I thought was playing very, very solid goal and looked to be, he looked to be enjoying himself as well. I don't know whether that was just the pair's format, but he's uh, he's pretty long. He, you can get him at 60 to 1 by the look of it at the moment. So um, I think check them out. But of course, we're not the experts. Let's we, We've been saying this for a long time and we've been tending to be the experts, but we're not the experts. Jeremy Chapman is the expert and he will be providing some betting tips and you can find him on the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com to find out for Jeremy Chapman's tips do check them out and we have one more event which is in tenerife um at the costa adij golf club in tenerife again a decent looking field there anyone that you think is gonna do well Garrick, he goes back in the back in the field 18 to 1 do you think you go back to back probably not no uh i quite like the look of torbjorn ollison this week at 33 to 1 played really well last time out and he is, um, yeah, easily one of the best golfers in this field, having made the Ryder Cup, won five times on the European Tour, won the uh, Italian Open, I think, when it was a Rolex Series event, and obviously had some struggles and 
controversy off the course, but uh, yeah, looks to be coming into some really nice form now. And what about your man Jazz? I can see him at fifty-five to one. Do you think Jazz, whose surname I can never pronounce, I always leave it to you? Uh, no, I <laughs> I got really stung by Jazz last year when I was uh, stepping in the GM Tipsters' shoes, and uh, yeah, he just, just misses a lot of cuts outside of Asia. In Asia, he is the best player basically, but uh, he seems to be very inconsistent around the world at the moment so yeah i wouldn't go anywhere near him although maybe i'm uh, cursing myself and he's going to win now and i'll be quite angry that i didn't back him at 55 to 1 yeah the, the last time he played he was second in kenya that was a few weeks ago now uh well i had money on him and i was going through a run of picking everyone who finished second so that was that was in kenya and the week before it was played on the same course and he missed the cut so you're right he can be sometimes slightly inconsistent but i always think he's He's a very decent player, and I think 55 to 1 in this field, you know, he's probably got a chance. But again, we're not the experts. Jeremy Chapman's the expert, and he will be doing a betting guide on this as well. So do check out the Golf Monthly website for his tips. Elliot, yeah. are you playing any golf this week? I'm setting you up here. Come on, this is an open goal, so come on. Don't let me down. <laughs> Yeah, playing 36 holes at Sunningdale tomorrow. Today feels a little bit like the last day of term before the summer holidays. So we're just trying to get the day over with before. Yeah, just I, I literally cannot wait. I've wanted to play Sunningdale all my life. And uh, yeah, just going to play the old and the new. Going to have a sausage sandwich at the halfway hut. Have a nice bit of lunch, maybe a few beers. Um, yeah, just I can't really put into words how excited I am and uh I'm very sorry to listeners who aren't playing Sunningdale this week. That includes me. Uh, yeah. So whilst Elliot's um, eating sausage sandwiches and chopping it around Sunningdale, I'll be sat in my office working away. But never mind. I hope you play really well, Elliot. I hope it goes well. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Enjoy it. It's a very nice course. So uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And you'll, I'm sure you'll have good company as well. Next week, I'm not here, Elliot. I don't even know if you realise this, but I'm not here. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm breaking news, but Elliot will be here, and he may be joined by someone else, if we can find someone else for him to talk to, which I'm sure we will, next week uh, for all the fallout from the PGA and European Tour and then looking forward ahead to the uh, week's events. It's not that long to the PGA Championship, is it? Which is slightly scary. No, I can't wait for that, having... I don't think I had Sky Sports when Rory McIlroy won in 2012. So, um, yeah, really can't wait to watch Kiowa Island. Yeah, the Kiowa Island is a spectacular-looking course. Uh, should be really entertaining. Usually usually brings really good golf as well. So, um, really looking forward to that. And we'll be starting to build up to that uh, in the coming weeks, I'm sure. So, until next week, I won't be here. But Elliot will be talking to you next week. And... Uh, I'll be back in a fortnight or so. So thanks again for listening today. Elliot, thanks for your time. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, listeners. And we will speak to you again in the future.